Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. My name is Kevin Henry. I am the co-founder of Ignite DA. And as always, thank you for joining us. This is going to be a great program. I'm super excited to have a dear friend on today and one of those gurus out in the dental industry. And that is Teresa Duncan. Hey, T, how are you? Hey, Kevin. It's great to be back on. I just love your audience. And I love I always love when you call me a guru. That's just fun. Well, you are a guru, let's be honest. And and I want to make sure people know exactly all about you and Odyssey Management as well before we dive into that. So one thing that I will tell your audience is that I speak mostly on insurance and management, but one of the um, most common comments in my class is that the assistants have such a huge role to play in the whole insurance process. And so I have worked with a million great insurance coordinators that were former dental assistants and are even still dental assistants. So um, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of your audience. You are. And and I know you have that soft spot for them. And, and as you said, you speak to so many of them out there. So I'm thrilled to have you on today. And one thing that I'm seeing, and I know you're seeing it as well, is this new generation of assistants that's coming in as assistants are in such high demand practices, how I have staffing shortages and a lot of times, <clears throat> excuse me, these assistants are being asked to do multiple things, cross-training. And, and I'm curious, what are you seeing out there whenever it comes to cross-training of assistants and then them getting thrown kind of into the insurance world whenever they move up to the front desk? What are some, some tips or some things that maybe could help them along the way? So what, what is always interesting to me is that when I'm training a, an assistant and they come up front and they're... They're helping out. Usually it's not a full-time changeover. Usually they're just helping out to make sure, you know, that they're they're helping out with the overload. I mean, everything is overloaded nowadays at, at the offices. Uh, one thing I hear often is, oh, well, if I had known that, I would have done things differently with documentation or I would have taken that extra x-ray. Oh, oh now I understand why they wanted that. Whereas it's, it's on us, front office people, to have these meetings regularly with your clinical team so that they can know why they need that x-ray. Why does that x-ray need to be very clear? Well, they all need to be clear, right? So why do I need a bite wing versus a PA? And all of that could have been avoided by having really good conversations with your clinical team. So I hear that, and then I also hear um, that they have no idea that the front office spends that much time on the phone. So um, when you're talking to an assistant who's like on the go and always like ready to go, to have them sit on the phone is, it's like torture for them. So that's that's a big learning curve for them to just be patient and chill and listen to the melodious music that the carriers think we want to hear. <laughs> it is beautiful, let's be honest. It, it is. It's, it's soothing, shall we say. Um, <laughs> You know, but you brought up a really good point because so often we rely in today's dental practice on other team members training other team members. And yet we're also stretched. Things are, are running back and forth so much as trying to fill in the gaps. Does that put more pressure on that front office to have to explain to the assistant about the insurance process? And how can the assistant maybe help take some of that load off? It, or, or is there a way to do it? And that's just how it is right now. I think it's a good idea to have assistants uh, that are already working be the one that helps train on the um, anatomical issues. So a new assistant coming in has to learn tooth numbers and all of that. If they're not coming from a, an assisting school, 
it's on the job, right? So they have to learn all these tooth numbers. What the heck do these numbers mean that the hygienist calls out at weird times? You know, all of that. Explain all of that to them. And I, I remember talking to one manager and she said, I don't let my assistants um, get on the front lines with the patient until they can tell me their tooth numbers and all of that. And I remember thinking, okay, but that's that's a little weird only because when you learn something that's totally new, sometimes you need to see it in practice. So yeah, give them the basics and have them understand upper, lower, molar, bicuspid and all that. But then as they start to do more assisting, then you can quiz them because then they're going to see, okay, that's what she meant by the wisdom teeth and the back and, and all of that. So I don't know if we need to train like crazy before they hit the front lines, but let's just do constant training. And I think that's where a lot of offices fall down, constant training rather than just hit and run and I'll quiz you on it training. The hit and run training. Yeah, that's that's an issue. And yeah. and, and unfortunately, it's something I hear so often from dental assistants that they get thrown into the fire and are expected to be mind readers. And I think that that puts a lot of pressure not only on them, but also, you know, it creates a little bit of a, a, a tough go there in the practice between people whenever you think that somebody should know something and they don't. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and I'm curious because, you know, one thing that you always say, and, and I will tell you, I talk about this in my dental assistant courses, is documentation. You mentioned that a minute ago. Yeah. And, and I know one of the drums that you bang so often is, if you didn't document it, it didn't happen. And I think right. that's a really important lesson for, for dental assistants to hear today while you're on as well, whether they're cross-trained, full-time clinical, whatever it is. How important is documentation? Okay, how important is documentation? That is a huge, huge question. And yes, you're right. If it isn't in the chart, then you know not just the carriers are going to say that what that didn't happen. Your court of law is going to say that didn't happen. And to me, that's the most important part, really. I I'll never want any doctor to go to to any court and have to settle because the charts just weren't complete. And unfortunately that happens all of the time. So how important is it? Well, first of all, you, you have to have it to defend yourself. We just discussed that. You have to have it to show um, continuity of care for the patient. So forget about the legal stuff, forget about documenting to save your butt. We have to be able to show the progression of health in a patient. And if I, if I don't know what was done before, if I don't know, have a history of their medications, it's hard for a clinician to prescribe the next couple steps, right? So this is very important in the medical side. The electronic health records have to be able to follow the patient. And that really doesn't happen in dentistry, but it needs to be. So if your records were to leave your practice and go with the patient and they move somewhere else, are you confident that that other office is going to take a look at this record and say, hey, this is not so bad? Or are they going to go, what a joke. This office mm -hmm. didn't know what they were doing. And and that's really, <clears throat> we need to think about that because we, we owe it to the patient and we owe it to the healthcare community to do it correctly. So one other thing I just want to say before um, you ask your next question, because I think this is super important. Yes, I say if it didn't, if it wasn't documented, it didn't happen. But the other thing that I say a lot is documentation drives revenue. And that is something that the clinical team, you know, until they go up front and they see the pain of dealing with an insurance carrier that's asking for something and you just don't have it to give, um, that's when the, the clinical team really realizes, okay, if I had just taken that x-ray, then we could get this claim paid. So if we don't get our claims paid, 
we don't have revenue. We don't have revenue. Nobody gets raises. The office doesn't reinvest in technology. I mean, there's a whole trickle effect there. So documentation is just so super important in this whole equation. And I'm going to ask the question because I know we have a lot of new assistants who listen to this as well as, you know, those who are more seasoned, shall we say. But the assistant's role in documentation, how important is that? And and should they have the, the guts, shall we say, to remind the doctor how important that is too? Oh, yeah, that's that's exactly what you want to do. And that's what makes you very valuable uh, to doctors. Because, I mean, if you think about it, the doctor's got the hands in the mouth. You know, he or she is calling out information and you're documenting it um, on your your terminal. And if the doctor doesn't call something out, it's not because maybe there's nothing there. It's really because they're on to the next thing. I mean, they don't have a flow chart in their minds. I mean, they, they have a mental flow chart, but they can miss a lot of stuff. I mean, think about it. You just, you could, unless there's something like printed on maybe the, um, the table tray cover, maybe that that's a good way of doing it. But for the most part, um, they're depending on assistants to say, Hey, by the way, um, with that crown that you want to replace, how old is that crown? Uh, that's the time to call that information out. Nice. And, yep. and if you have an assistant that doesn't do that, a lot of doctors, who are used to that get very annoyed by it because that's an attention to detail that really makes you stand out as an assistant. And, and I will tell you personality types, you know, I I'm one that I kind of sit back and, it, and it's hard for me to inject myself into a conversation sometimes. And I know some assistants are that way as well, but it really does take, if the doctor isn't calling something out for you to build up that courage to say, wait, or ask a mm-hmm. question. And, and, you know, it's not that you're debating him or her or anything else, but but you, as you said, you're trying to protect the practice. You're trying to protect the license sometimes, too. Yeah, and you don't have to even, <clears throat> you don't have to, like, bust into their flow. So you could just, I mean, just phrase it nicely. Doctor, when you get a second, um, I have a question about tooth number. The patient really isn't understanding what you're saying anyways because tooth number, they don't get it. They don't get half the stuff you're saying. So, um, doctor, I have a question about this. Or, doctor, do you mind telling me this? Um, Or can we circle back to tooth number two? I have a question about whether or not it's a replacement. That You you don't have to bust in and say, is it a replacement? I mean, that just sounds awful, right? So, um, you know, make it so that make it pleasant and make it uh, almost so the patient's kind of oblivious to the fact that the, the doctor forgot to give you that information. And it happens. I mean, and you guys get your own rhythm. I mean, that's one of the beauties of dental assisting is getting into a good rhythm with your doctor. And you realize like you guys know what each other's thinking and all of that. And, um, you know, I got to experience that when I was an assistant years and years ago, and it was a wonderful thing. You know, but eventually you found your place up front. And, well, and... yeah, because I was terrible, Kevin. You remember I was a terrible <laughs> I, assistant. Now, see, I wasn't going to say that part. No, but, no. Know. My my doctor it was a is an awesome dude, and he very gently said, you know, I, I think you've really got those skills going on with the insurance and the financial piece. You're really good at asking for money. Maybe you should concentrate up front. And I was like, I know what you're doing, but that's okay. Because I really was. I was terrible. I was sucking up hair in the high speed and it's just terrible. <laughs> but but yet I know that there are those assistants listening who are thinking about that transition, thinking about that next step. And as much as they may love, love the clinical side, maybe they're looking for that next challenge. What, what helped you in that transition other than you were kind of forced to do it, but what helped you in that transition from back to front? 
100% being a dental assistant, 100%. Um, I had a doctor who was very good at explaining to me what was going on. Um, he was always really good at explaining to the patient, okay, you're going to feel a little bit of a pinch here. And then he would quietly say to me, you know, this is when I, why I need this tool versus that tool. And some of the, some of the patients even would say, oh, that was really interesting to hear that. I mean, he didn't do that all the time, but when we were training, he was really good about it. And I always felt like I could ask him, why did you do a root canal on this tooth? But we saw something very similar over here and he would take the time to pull out the x-ray and show me. And I had a really good idea of how, how clinical works and beyond tooth numbers. I just could tell, um, what was going to probably need some extra documentation and what was not. And you can only get that from being back there and, and understanding all of that. So I've always said my best insurance coordinators I've trained were insur were former dental assistants, hands down. There's no contest, no contest. And, and our insurance coordinators, you know, we, we hear about the rise of infection control coordinators right now. Are insurance coordinators really in need right now? If yeah. a dental assistant thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. So as far as um, as far as administrative needs, uh, there are offices that they, first of all, there's a lot of people out there that think they know insurance because they filed a couple claims. Well, if you decide to become an insurance coordinator, one thing that you'll recognize is that things change very fast year to year. It's not like it used to be. And so you have to stay on top of things. And that that's what I'm dedicated to helping out with. So when you find an office that hasn't had a good insurance coordinator, um, you're probably going to be walking into a cleanup situation. So it's actually kind of cool because you look like the hero. You're recovering yeah. all this money. But at the same time, you get to then make that system your own system. So, um, And I know a lot of assistants will go to work in a corporate setting in the insurance area. And that's really... Um, that's really good too, because the system's already in place and you're going to be learning on the job. And then, you know, you can decide where you want to go from there. Well, and, and I think one of the great resources out there is you, uh, whenever it comes to insurance, whenever it comes to that transition, everything like that. So I want to make sure our audience knows how to get a hold of you, Odyssey Management, and kind of tap into those resources you have. Sure. So odysseymgmt.com is my website. And if you just Google Teresa Duncan insurance, I'll pop up and I have a newsletter. So you're welcome to sign up for the newsletter, but go ahead and wander over to the webinar archive. And there's a ton of webinars on there that are free. Most, I think all of them are free. Um, some, you just have to sign up, um, go through a paywall or whatever. And, and it, but I believe they're free and, uh, you can just sit and learn insurance, um, at your leisure. But remember, it changes. So, you know, don't don't make that all of your insurance information. Go take current classes or, you know, definitely get a copy. Oh, Kevin, also, they should get a copy of the CDT Coding Companion. Mm. The Coding Companion has a ton of scenarios and different coding um, situations. And that actually has been super helpful when I, when I train offices. I really love it. And I'm just going to shameless plug here real quick because you and I do a podcast together that is called Chew on This, which yeah. I highly encourage anybody. If you want a different spin on dentistry, find the Chew on This podcast with Teresa and myself. But again, you brought up something just on the podcast that we recorded real recently about what's going on in Massachusetts with some laws that could impact um, dentistry and mm -hmm. coming from the insurance side of things. And that's the kind of thing that I... I love about you how you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on and can really bring that then to your your audience. I try to be the Switzerland of insurance. I mean, I work with carriers and I work with providers. And 
you know, a lot of times they don't talk to each other. They talk at each other. And so hopefully I can bridge that. But yeah, um, it's as close to Switzerland as I'm getting nowadays. So I'm just going to call myself Switzerland. <laughs> you know, we'll just draw some mountains there uh, for you or something like that. So it'll be, it'll be, give you some chocolate there. It'll be fine. You know, hey, so it's <laughs> little all good. Little Toblerone goes exactly. a long way. <laughs> I will not yodel or anything along that line. So, Please don't. Please no, don't. No, nobody needs that. So Teresa, thank you. Uh, seriously, I, I really appreciate it because anytime that I say, hey, could you help me with this? You, you're the first one that, that jumps in there. And so thanks for that. It's a pleasure. And thank you so much for having me back on. And yeah, hopefully I hear from some of your uh, future insurance coordinators, right? They're out there. There's yeah, no doubt are. about it. So, <laughs> And listeners, this is why we bring people like Teresa on, because we want to tell you what's available to you out there. We want to give you some ideas on what's to come maybe in your career, as well as to make sure, you know, as Teresa said, you're documenting properly. You're asking the right mm-hmm. questions. You're doing the things today to help build a future for you tomorrow. So Thanks for being on. Thanks for being a part of this podcast. And until the next time here on the Dylan System Nation podcast, powered by Ignite Diaz, Kevin Henry signing off and reminding you, as always, together we rise.